Welcome to Son of a Preacher Man with Jonathan Martin, a new podcast that's all about finding beauty and brokenness, grace and grit, God and the ambiguity of the in-between. This episode is a reflection from Side A, where Jonathan Martin preached a sermon at Willow Creek Community Church. In this podcast, Jonathan will answer your own questions about the wilderness. Enjoy. Well, welcome everybody to the first Side B of Son of a Preacher Man. I appreciate you being with us. If you had a chance to catch the first episode, it was a sermon I preached at Willow Creek Community Church about the wilderness. And so the whole idea with Side B really is wanting to go further, sometimes to hit quirky angles. Sometimes we'll have guests. Sometimes we'll do live Q&A. Sometimes, as we're doing this week, just taking questions from Twitter. But with the idea being that we kind of want to come at the ideas a little more sideways, um, explore more deeply, uh, just kind of fall down the rabbit hole and go wherever it seems to go. And I'm especially excited about this first week because the questions you guys sent in are just brilliant, truly. Um, Just to recap a little bit, though, of where I've been and setting up for where we're going, The sermon was about the purpose of the wilderness. Wilderness, of course, is such a major motif in Scripture, both Old and New Testament. Um, And it's, you know, it's... um it's multi-tiered, it's layered, it's it's complex. You know, there's this idea, especially in Deuteronomy, where wilderness does seem to be a place of discipline and correction for the people of God after they've made mistakes. In the prophets, uh, the wilderness is a place that you seek on purpose to go and get clarity. You want to go to the wilderness because it's a place where you can see things that you wouldn't otherwise see, and you can hear things that you wouldn't otherwise hear. And then, you you know, you've got Jesus in the New Testament driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. It's the Spirit who takes Jesus there where he's going to confront the devil. He's going to confront his own fears he's going to confront like his deepest self, like all these things that wilderness just does. But the contention I made in the sermon at Willow Creek, which I feel like is is within the text, but it's a little bit tucked away. I was specifically preaching from the Old Testament prophet Hosea, is this idea of the wilderness as a place of divine allurement. Um, There's this wonderful verse in Hosea where God specifically says to Israel, I'm going to draw you back out in the wilderness where I'm going to romance you. Eugene Peterson, in an elegant way in the message, translates that as, I'm going to take you back out on the first date in the wilderness. Um, so, So what I wanted to contend in that sermon, I really believe to be true, is that Whatever lands you into the wilderness in terms of circumstance, whether it's, you know, you feel like it's because of your own mistakes or is did God sovereignly direct me? We spin our wills, I think, sometimes thinking about questions that are kind of beyond our pay grade in that way. I feel like God's purpose in the wilderness is always intimacy and closeness and stripping us away from all the things that are unnecessary so we can find the things that really remain and that really are you know, the, the, the truest part of our of ourselves. That, for me, is what the wilderness is about. And in that spirit, our delightful producer, Will Rutherford, who's not just a, a producer, but also a very, he's a very sexy man. He's a great musician. He has, he's, he has too many talents. It's a little bit obscene. And I wanted Will to kind of facilitate some conversation here where we actually do a little Q&A and dialogue a bit. So, Will, everybody. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. All right, our first question is from Shamani Kumar. Hi, Shamani. Is there any difference between being sent to the wilderness for growth and being sent as punishment? 
or are those redundant categories? That's such a good question. I kind of feel like in my intro, I might have cheated a little bit, like skipped ahead in terms of some of my thoughts, but I feel like that's worth addressing explicitly. Is there a difference? There may be a difference by degree, but I still think like at the end of the day, and I feel like this is true, not just about wilderness, but about um, any and all kinds of circumstances we find ourselves in. While it is human and natural, and I of all people like have this need to build a narrative and to try to understand things, I kind of feel like to a point, discerning the purpose of the wilderness is is a little bit beyond us because I think no matter how you get to the wilderness, there are some things that the wilderness always does, no matter who you are, the wilderness is going to cause you to confront, um, the deepest, darkest parts of yourself. If you've ever seen the film, the never ending story, which I loved, that was my favorite movie when I was a kid and it stuck with me and I still rewatch it on occasion. Um, but the, you know, where Atreyu, this fictional character and warrior has to go through these gates the most intense kind of sinister gate that he faces is the one where it, and there's this real dramatic build to it. And already he's gone through a gate where, you know, there were statues shooting laser beams out of their eyes. Work with me if you haven't seen the film. It's from 1984. But the, by far the most terrifying gate is the second one where what actually is on the other side is just a mirror and he's confronting his true self. When you're in the wilderness, you're going to confront your true self. And that means all your stuff is going to be stirred up hurt and pain and wounds and bitterness, not just things though. I would contend that are like, um, I don't know, like rebellion or dark stuff, but beautiful things that are inside of you are going to be revealed in the wilderness as well. The wilderness is a place for that kind of revelation. The wilderness is a place to really get to know yourself. The wilderness is a place to wrestle with your demons. The wilderness is a place to really get to know God. I think those things are always true about the wilderness, no matter how you get there. And I feel like the question that's often unproductive, at least for me, is that I can really spend a lot of time like just spinning my wheels trying to figure out, how did I get here? How did I get here? What if I'd taken this turn rather than that turn? And, and, and then because, you know, and then I'll grapple with it all theologically, trying to parse it in ways is, you know, I, I think the better question is when you're in the wilderness, instead of like, how did I get here and why did I get here? What does God want to do now here in this place in the wilderness? <laughs> However I got here, this is where I am. Whatever led me to this place, this is where I am. So what, you know, what does God have for me now? What's the provision that's here? What's the revelation? What's the insight? What's the thing I need to see and, and discern uh, about myself? What are the things that I need to see and hear? I think those are the right questions for the wilderness. So I would just gently kind of steer away from any questions that are sort of about how and why and more like, okay, now that I'm here, that I'm in this desolate space where I'm feeling my own hunger and desire and ache and um, feeling the weight of my past, but also wrestling with my future. What does God have for me here in this place? That for me is, is, is the best question in terms of how we kind of root ourselves in the wilderness. This is a great question. All right. Our uh, next question is from Jennifer Langwin. Hi, Jennifer. I know Jennifer well from Twitter. So she asked a question on wilderness. I'm curious as to your thoughts, Jonathan, on staying in community versus the isolation that can happen in wilderness times. I've found it a time that can be lonely, but yet a sense that's necessary for some of the stripping way that God does there. You know, 
Um, Jennifer, even in how you asked the question, I thought there's so many things about this that are just really astute. I mean, part of what makes this really tricky is that whether you're talking about the wilderness or an awful lot of other kinds of spaces, there's not a one size fits all answer. I do believe that all of us are on a journey with God, we're on a journey with the Holy Spirit and the contours of that journey, the nature of that journey, you know, it's going to take on radically different forms and what the wilderness looks like for one person is not going to be what the wilderness looks like for another person. Um, the questions that need to be answered there, um, the, uh, the, the issues that need to be, be confronted, all of that is going to, is going to shift depending on a person's story. And I think it's okay for that to be fluid in a way where I find this question really complicated answer is that, I do think I've seen this in people that I love. I've seen this in friends and I have definitely seen it in myself. I know that I have a tendency to isolate at times when it's not helpful. You know, like whenever I'm kind of feeling underneath a thing, um, it's always going to be my tendency to withdraw and, and, and to alienate myself from community. Um, I'm, I, I'm not wired for community. I don't know if any of us really are. I think it's always our nature to kind of pull away. I'm an only child. I want to go in my room and play video games and, you know, uh, think my thoughts and figure it out. I don't think that instinct is always healthy. And yet at the same time, I do think that there's some things that, um, that only isolation can give us and that, 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 that kind of aloneness and that being cut off. You know, I don't do this all the time, but I try about once a year to go on a silent retreat to a monastery. Typically I'll go to a Trappist monastery, like the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky, something like that, where you don't speak for a week. And, Inevitably, when I do that, the first couple days, I mean, it's awful. It feels like your soul is throwing up, like the stuff that's in you, you didn't realize in you. I mean, it's 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 always funny, too, because I, I, I come along, I always go into it with such romantic high ideals, and I'm like listening to YouTube's Beautiful Day in the car, and I'm all like, this is going to be a, a journey with God, and it's going to be amazing. And I get there, and like, oh, gosh, like I, I within two days, I'm like, I hate myself, I hate my life, I'm going to die. You know, and I think that's, you know, the, the wilderness will do that, but sometimes that's necessary, and there's this tension Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a lovely little book called Life Together, where he talks about both the day alone and the day together, and how you need the day alone in order to enter the day together in the way that you need to, but you need the day together to know how to enter in the day alone, you know, so there's all this, this kind of dialectical tension where the both and is necessary. But all that to say, um, I, I, I think I would say in terms of what the wilderness looks like, I think you got to be brave enough to sit there alone longer than you want and to look at some things. But I think also you need to know yourself well enough to where, Hey, you know, there are times and ways in which the wilderness can crack you open kind of past your capacity. And once you've wrestled with your own demons for long enough and you get a little bit too stuck in your head, I mean, you know, for me, even when I've, and look, I know it's, there's a difference between kind of being in the metaphorical wilderness versus when you're going on a spiritual retreat or a silent retreat like I've done. But I feel like even in those times when I've done some kind of intentional silent retreat, the exception that would be typically I've seen a spiritual director at least a few times that week where there's a few, uh, you know, just a few hours total of being very intentional at looking at the things that are being pulled out of silence. I think there needs to be a rhythm is what I'm saying. I mean, there, there, there's a place for both. And I think that it takes discernment. It takes, uh, you know, just listen to the Holy Spirit in your own life to figure out what that looks like for you. But I would encourage you, like, I, I would say that when you're in the wilderness and stuff is being stirred up, I would encourage you not to run out 
while that work is still being done. You know, you need sometimes in Henri Nouwen's phrase to drink the cup all the way down. But at the same time, I would encourage you like, don't flagellate yourself either. Don't stay there longer than you need to stay and um, drive yourself out of your mind. You know, trying to prove something, you know, when things get too heavy for you to carry them alone and it's time to ask some brothers and sisters to help carry you. There's no shame in that, you know? So in that sense, I hate to just say like, trust your gut, but with prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to direct you, yeah, kind of trust your gut, I think, um, to discern that rhythm of kind of coming in and out. That's what I'd say. Question from Laurie Tremblay. Jesus repeatedly demonstrated how wilderness is necessary. Why do we resist it so much? Why don't we encourage it and learn how to teach each other to move through it? We resist the wilderness for a number of very fine, legitimate reasons. We resist the wilderness because intuitively we know that to sit in a dark, lonely place long enough is going to mean we're going to have to confront the worst things about ourselves. And that's, that intuition is right. We resist the wilderness because somewhere intuitively we know that we're going to have to wrestle with our demons, that we're going to have to stare down our fears. And that intuition is right. We resist the wilderness because we know that as people that want to be resolved and clear and self-reliant that the wilderness is going to reduce us to a place of dependence and we're going to feel need. We're going to feel hunger and thirst. We're going to feel, um, the ache that really is what makes us fundamentally human in a primal way. This is not comfortable. It's so dependent. Um, there's a helplessness that comes. We, we rightly intuit those things. And so we avoid it. Um, we avoid it because, we would rather live with our fears and with our demons. We would rather live with our addictions. We would whether, you know, whether that be to social media or food or alcohol or, you know, whatever it might be. We, we, oh, we, we so rather medicate to not have to go into those deep and dark places. But at the same time, you know, I think that what we need to remind ourselves of is that the wilderness, I truly don't believe. Uh, and again, I know there's tension about this in the text, but this is the this is my story, and I'm sticking to it. I don't think wilderness is primarily a place of correction. I think wilderness is primarily a place of healing and restoration. I think it's in the wilderness where these disparate parts of ourselves that are real disconnected and disembodied can can become whole. Everything that's fragment that's fragmented. It can kind of become whole in a way again. I think it's in the wilderness that we come to know who God is and how God loves us. I think it's in the wilderness that really all the most beautiful things about our soul are are sharpened and clarified as the other things are like being stripped away. So, you know, it's a... in that regard, the, you know, the wilderness is a place of liberation. The wilderness is the, is what the wilderness is what prepares you to get free. There's a reason that, that the wilderness is what comes between in the Old Testament narrative, um, Egyptian bondage and coming into the promised land. In in the middle, in that messy in between space, in the liminal space, is the preparation for getting free. God's purposes for the wilderness are always for liberation deliverance, redemption, right? So if we come to like really believe that, then we don't have to be afraid of it. And 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 to your question about how do we encourage others, 
uh, in that process. I think, you know, whenever any of us are in the midst of the wilderness, we're not able to discern those beautiful, good, redemptive purposes because we're in it. And the reality of our own hunger and need is suffocating, you know, but when we're not quite in that space, I think that's what's so wonderful about community is we can look at our brothers and sisters and say, hey, I know this is hard, but I can see God's redemptive purposes that work in this, even where you can't. I can see the beauty that God wants and the freedom that God wants to bring in this, even while you can't. And I think that's where it does become important for us to encourage one another and say, you know, hey, like there, there's good for you here. And, you know, even if I can't walk through every single moment of this with you, I, we're, I'm pulling for you and I'm praying for you. And you're not, uh, the wilderness involves a lot of time feeling alone, but hey, you're not alone. I'm, I'm with you and for you. I think that's terribly important and a great question, by the way. So here's a question from Devin Bailey. In the Exodus, I pick up on a theme of still trying to identify with that which you are in the process of being freed from. I once read, people don't resist change, they resist loss. I find this interesting in terms of an evolving identity. Do you have any further insight? I don't know if I have uh, further or better insight. I mean, there's a lot of insight in that question. I mean, first of all, just yes. I mean, I absolutely think that people, I don't know who said that, but people fearing loss more than they suddenly do change, I think is absolutely right on. Um, you know, I just think, let me glance at this. The, um, yeah, the whole idea of, of wilderness and identity, um, trying to figure out what it is exactly you're being freed from. I don't think we ever know exactly what it is that we're addicted to. We don't ever know the things that have like their tentacles around us until you kind of get in the sensory deprivation chamber that is the wilderness. You just don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm addicted to. And that That's why I'm so frightened to go into wilderness time, both when I do those kind of intentional seasons of retreat or when I feel you know, just kind of driven into it more existentially, whatever. That's what terrifies me most is that I don't know what I don't know. And there are all kinds of things about my life and my rhythms and my habits that I presume are perfectly healthy and normal and fine. Oh, I'm okay. I don't need that. I'm not the one with the problem. You're the one with the problem. <laughs> I'm not clinging on to anything too tightly. Well, you, you think all those things until you're shut down and until like, uh, until you can't experience the dinging of the notification on your phone and until you're out of touch with that person with whom you're, you know, you're now in a codependent relationship or you don't have that substance to help you um, ease the pain a little bit so you can sleep better at night. You never know that until you're shut off. So I think that that is a lot of what the wilderness does is that it reveals the area and the areas in which we have an unhealthy kind of dependence. It reveals the props and the crutches, which by the way, all those things aren't fundamentally bad. You know, I think honestly, there's a time and place for crutches and easing pain. I don't, that's all awful, but I still think thinking of a Herbert McCabe phrase, great uh, Dominican preacher and theologian about um, God taking us into the terrible business of being free. There's the terrible business of freedom, you know, where uh, God wants us to not be contingent on anything other than God. God doesn't want us to be dependent on things that are, uh, you know, ultimately might bring comfort for a moment, but aren't strengthening our souls. You know, that's a process that we that we really need. So I just, you know, I tend to think that like 
figuring out who we really are and figuring out what we need to be freed from. There's just no way to know. There's not an assessment test that's going to tell you that. The wilderness is when those things are going to be made clear. And, uh, and the, the, the monsters that you face. And, you know, I mean, I, th- I, I say that um, that sounds like a metaphor and it kind of is. But, you know, when you think when you read like the Desert Fathers and their own rest, their own um, wrestling matches in the wilderness, I think somebody like an Anthony of the Desert. I mean, <laughs> I mean, to read his accounts, he was facing fairly literal monsters, you know, and you get cut off a little bit. And, yeah, there are. It is strange uh, the way that things that you fear and things that you've been addicted to, like you see the the ways those things are embodied in the wilderness in some pretty crazy ways. And, you know, I, I found that in my own wilderness experiences, my, my dreams are really rough. You know, I have nightmares and, but I, again, I don't think that's because God is tormenting me. I think I'm detoxing. And if anybody's ever walked with someone through a detoxification process, there is nothing about that that sucks. I mean, it's, that it doesn't suck. It's, it's hell on earth. Um, you know that you you have the shivers and the quakes, and you have those moments where you feel like you're going to die. You're not going to die, but that's just the painful business of being free. So I do think it's only in the wilderness that we get a sense of what we're still enslaved to. I do think it's also, and this is the other part of it. I think that's so crucial. It is in the wilderness, though, where we find out who we really are. And specifically, I won't. I, I'm not going to quote exactly right now, but to go back to the Hosea text that I used in the message in side A. Um, God tells Israel that when I bring you back out into the wilderness to romance you, you will know my true name. We come to know God's true name, but the flip side of that, which is equally significant, we come to know our own true name. We hear our own name, you know, but that's everything. You know, we have all these other people who are naming us and all these other principalities and powers in our culture that are trying to lay claim on us. There's so much noise and clutter and baggage the wilderness is what clarifies who we are. And the same way that in that wonderful evocative text in the Old Testament where Jacob's wrestling with the angel, it's through the long night of wrestling, the pain and the agony of that, wrestling with a stranger. By the end of that story, we know that in some weird way he's wrestled with God or an angel, but he doesn't know that. He just He's just jumped by a stranger in the middle of the night. He doesn't know what he's wrestling with. He doesn't, he doesn't know where he is. It's disorienting. But he stays in the ring all the way through dawn. And it's through that experience that even though he's broken in a way, and even though he's forever going to walk with a limp, he learns his true name. And th- there's a way that we're named in the wilderness. We're named in the wrestling. wrestling. We find um, a, a sense of identity that runs all the way down to the bottom. That's what the wilderness is, is all about. I think more than anything is identity, knowing God's identity and knowing our own. Great question, Devin. Really appreciate that. So, in conclusion, after all these wonderful questions, these really have been wonderful, um, I think the thing I would most want to say, I don't, I'm not pretending to be psychic. Um, I don't have magic powers I don't know the individual contours of everybody's story and where they are there's so many things that I cannot know you know um, there, there's so much about your own life and experience that I can't see and that maybe even the people closest around you cannot see but if there's one thing I feel like I can say with clarity 
in a season of such ambiguity because that's what wilderness time is all about is all about ambiguity what i feel like i can say with clarity is no matter who you are uh, no matter what kind of wilderness you're in no matter how you got there i i feel like i can say with great confidence that god's purpose for you in the wilderness is to reveal your true name is to is to reveal your identity that god's purpose for you in the wilderness is to make God's self known to you in ways that you haven't been able to see before. That um, God's intention for the wilderness, if this is, doesn't sound weird, weird to you in some way, is really is to is to romance you. He, God wants to draw you close in this place. So I want to just assure you of that, that for all the other things that are unclear, God's love for you, God's desire to draw you close, God's desire to to name you, like those are the things that are steadfast. And I just want to encourage you just to look for those things in the midst of all the things that are horrible and all the things that are vague. How is it that you're learning something of your true name here? Um, how is it that God is abiding with you in these broken places? Um, how is it that even through this um, agonizing process of feeling like some things are being stripped away, what remains? What in your soul is beautiful and true and good and strong and has always been so? Those are the things that I think can help you know anchor you down in the wilderness. I just want to encourage you in that, that you know, no matter who you are again or where you are or what kind of wilderness, God's purposes are always the same and that's 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 to hold you close and that's to reveal your identity i hope you enjoy today's podcast like an lp each episode is divided into side a and side b side a could be a sermon a conversation with a guest but will always introduce some idea side b will always be a creative exploration of that idea through music question answering with listeners or quirky rabbit trails off of side a For people who want the deep cuts, not just the singles. No matter who you are or where you come from, we hope this podcast will be a resource in helping you come to know the love that calls you by your true name. For more, go to jonathanmartinwords.com and sign up for our email list. Have a good day.